0: We're in wide open spaces. Uh, It's a series of messages where we are walking through the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, today I want to talk about something that I think is so hope giving. uh, And uh, and I'll announce it to you in just a moment. But uh, this past week on Tuesday night, actually really early Wednesday morning, uh, we elected a new president. And uh, our, some people are glad about our new president. And some people are mad about our new president. And some people are apprehensive about our new president. and Some people are thinking this is going to be great. So everyone has offered their opinion. There's no shortage of opinions on, on all of this. And let me encourage you to just to chill, uh, I'm not a political guy, I'm not going to get political, this isn't the place for it, uh, and, uh, but, but, but there is something that I have noticed that was, was kind of fascinating to me, um, as of October 19th, well, let me say, let me back up and even say it this way, the whole presidential campaign, uh, from the start of, of all the primaries of people running for president, I can remember when there were like 17 Republican uh, candidates in the, in the primary, all the Democratic um, candidates. The whole uh, campaign, in total, according to CBS News, cost $6.8 billion dollars. The presidential campaign. Uh, As of October 19th, so I'm sure these numbers have gone up uh, by the time the election actually took place on November 8th, but as of October 19th, Hillary Clinton in the Democratic campaign had spent $450 million on her campaign, and she had a staff of 800 people. Donald Trump in that same period of time spent 239 million on his campaign and had a staff of 130 people for for his campaign. So by the 19th that means that there was close to 7 hundred million dollars spent by the Democrats and the Republicans on their campaign. Almost a thousand people were were on the staff of those campaigns. And, uh, you know, I ended up on a couple of email mailing lists where I was regularly asked to contribute to, you know, to candidates. Uh, and What I think is interesting to me is that, I mean, this, we're talking close to $1 billion. $1 billion (laughs) was spent by two groups who were working hard to further their message and their cause. And I'm thinking a billion dollars to push forward a political message and a political cause when we have the message and the cause that can actually bring healing to our world. And, uh, but as one of my mentors told me in the past, the gospel is like water. It's free, but it costs to get, get it to people's houses. And a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of manpower, woman power was contributed for political campaigns to further a message, to promote a cause, and what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, which is where we've landed in this series now, is Paul instructing us in what God's plan is for how he's going to resource the message and the cause of ministry. And I want to remind you of something that I said last week, but I just think it's important to understand that what Paul is doing is literally giving uh the corinthian church and giving us in the 21st century some some operating system concepts he's not just saying you should give he's giving he's helping them think differently he's not just asking them to change their behavior he's actually asking them to get some ideas that would actually adjust their behavior in an incredible way so last week We looked at this idea that Jesus has broken the curse of poverty off of us by what he has borne on the cross. And today, what I want to talk about, which I think to me is one of the most hopeful messages that we could possibly understand, is that you have the ability given by God to create your future by understanding the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is a law that exists no matter whether we like it or not. It's quite similar to the law of gravity, and that would be this. If you were to stand on, on top of a building and, and jump off and say, I don't believe in the law of gravity, you're still going to hit the ground. And, and eventually understanding that the law of sowing and reaping is the operational concept that causes almost all of life to work. Now, let me back up a little bit and, and let, me, let me, I guess, set this up some because I realize when, when we're talking about God's plan for resourcing ministry, God's plan, by the way, is called tithe and offering. Um, there are, I, am, I am in this room are a number of people who are at all different levels of their relationship with God and their understanding of God's way. So I am fully aware that there are some of us in this room that have an automatic pushback on what this concept and what we're going to have talk about in these couple of weeks together. But I just, I just going to ask you for a moment, <coughs> excuse me, to suspend any preconceived ideas and acknowledge that there is a possibility that you might be wrong. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? but that there might be God's way, which is an incredible way to bring flourishing and resource to your life. Here's my discovery. When God's plan of tithe and offering is followed, everyone flourishes. The church flourishes, the the cause of Christ flourishes, the ministry flourishes, but also the person who engages in this plan flourishes. And generosity and giving towards God's plan is the way God wants to resource his cause on the earth. Now, our ushers are going to hand out a brochure that is just kind of a little bit of an educational um, idea that I want you to take a look at and I want you to to get the idea of. So it is possible that in this room, as I said, different levels, uh, different you know capacities and this whole thing. So some of us have just started coming to church. Some of us have been here for decades. And the encouragement that I want to give you is to take your next step forward. So possibly you're here and you've never given anything. You've just never gotten involved in anything, and that's okay. It's, everybody has to start somewhere. Then there are those of us in this room that are occasional. Givers, And we give, but not consistently. So every once in a while, if we have an extra five bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks, we might throw it in the offering, and it's just an occasional sort of thing. Then there are people who say, you know what, I'm going to actually get intentional about this. I'm going to make my support of my church, my support of the ministry, uh, an intentional thing. And they give consistently, but they actually give less than 10%. And then there are people who bought the idea that the tithe is a unique and holy thing and say, I'm going to honor God with my tithe. I'm going to give God my first and best i am not going to give God my leftovers. I'm going to give him my very best. So some of us have bought that, and I'm not trying to push this hard on anybody. I'm trying to get you to think, and I'm trying to get you to see what I believe the Bible teaches about all this. And then there are people who've gone beyond the tithe into a place of tithe and offering that is actually a place of generosity. They They give way beyond their tithe. There are some beyond their tithe, at least. There was a man named R.G. Letourneau. R.G. Letourneau lived in the, in the first half of the 20th century and was literally the, uh, the father of um, creating large earth-moving machines. And he had over 300 patents where he built these machines and, and was one of the first people to ever create these enormous machines that are now... Small compared to what he w- had created, but he was a guy that, that was a, tr- he, a lot of his work was actually attributed to us being able to win the Second World War because of what we were able to accomplish through the work of these machines that he created, that he invented. R.G. Laterno was a guy that was a very strong believer, a very strong Christian, and Through the building and the creation of all of these earth moving machines, his company and his business and his ventures began to grow. He got to a place where he literally would give away to the cause of Christ 90% of his income. So he lived on 10%, but gave away 90. And he grew himself into this. So I just, the reason I'm giving him as, a, as an example is to say, some of us might be going, I don't even know how I'm going to carve out 2% or 3% or 10% or even go beyond that. It is possible. <laughs> there, there are some people that are jumping some pretty high bars. And some of us may feel actually encouraged to go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow in God's ability to use me to resource the cause of Christ in the earth. I, I, started, I started paying tithe when I was a, a young man. Um, I, every time I, I teach this kind of message, I pull out this uh, little paycheck stub that, uh, that was actually I found in a Bible, an old Bible. This paycheck stub is from uh, March 1977. I was, that's a long time ago. I was like not even born yet, but I was still getting a paycheck. Um, I I worked in a little grocery store. I I was not quite 21 years old. I was 20 um, when this uh, paycheck was given. And, And I look at it now, and I made for my week of work $141. Um, I think I worked for like $2 an hour. Um, and, uh, and I can remember when my pastor first started to teach me about this idea. And so I started out paying tithe on this like small amount. So, I mean, I would on a on $142 check, I'm bringing, you know, $15 to, to the church and to the ministry and to honor the Lord. And that's where it all started for me. That was the beginning for me. Last year on my tax return, which I know some people don't like to show their tax return, and I'm not showing mine either, but, but I do want to say this, and I want you to understand uh, the reason that I want to say this is that last year Suzette and I were able to give 38% of our adjusted gross income to the cause of Christ. To, to the mission of the church. I'm not bragging. I'm not looking for any acclaim. I actually love that, and I would like for that to keep growing. But I started with $14 and have now grown to, to almost 40% of what comes to us gets through us for the cause of Christ. And I've, I've just got to say to you that if you will step into this, amazing things can start to happen in your life. I mean incredible things can start to happen in your world i'm i'm a living testimony of of this i believe that that the reason god chose giving as the way to resource his cause in the earth is i believe giving breaks the back of selfishness in our lives (laughs) i believe giving breaks the back of poverty in our life because the spirit of poverty is fear Fear that you won't have enough that keeps you clinging to what you have. But when we start to honor God with tithe and start to honor God with offering, it honors God and and it honors his work. Our church, um, when there was a study done on our church when, uh, when we were first starting this project of trying to do some renovation to our facility. And in that study, independent study uh, of our church, based on Asheville's median income, they told us that our church was 13% of our church was paying tithe. 13%. And I'm, I'm here just to... Uh, cast the vision no one has actually seen any church give that 100% of the church would pay tithe. I'm wondering what could happen with the literal tens of thousands of people that we've been able to reach with 13% of our church honoring God with tithe What could we do with 100% of our church? So I want to encourage you. I I want you to be able to hear from somebody else on this. So I'm asking Greg and Jess Barney to come on up to the platform. And we want them to be able to tell a little bit of their story. So come on, give these guys a great big ham as they come, please. Thank you, Pastor.
1: We're, we have the awesome opportunity this month to share stories of how God has worked in the lives of different people in our church. And this morning, we have the awesome privilege to chat with Greg and Jessica Varney. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, I, I'm Greg. Hi, Greg.
2: <laughs> I'm <laughs> <This is> Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. Hey, we uh, we have known each other for 20 years. We met as freshmen at UNC Asheville. Uh, UNCA, anybody? Woo! We are 19 years coming to this church, and I want to say this. We came to this church on the first day of this front building. I think it's important with Endeavor Ahead. Like, we came because somebody said, my church is building, doing something new and different with their Mm -hmm. facilities. Do you want to come? Mm -hmm. Yes. 19 years ago. Right? Amazing. 14 years on staff for me. We've been married 12 years, and they've been amazing, haven't they, honey? Yeah, and we have a, uh, two kids, uh, two daughters, five-year-old, and a one-year-old, there They and are, and they're so cute. Yeah, awesome. So we're talking about generosity this month
1: and, and our finances. So I know you guys, uh, I've known you guys for a long time, right? We've been friends for a long time, uh, almost those whole 19 years, really. Yes, which is amazing. And, and I've known you guys to be incredibly generous people, not only individually, um, but as a couple, as a family. Uh, tell us about your mindset on that. Is this, is this something you were taught growing up, or, or how did that happen?
3: I mean, I would say that for my family, my family was not generous toward the house of God. We attended regularly, and the plate would come by and my mom would like throw a 20 in, and as a six-year-old, I was like, whoa, mom is like pulling out the big bucks. But now that I understand math, I'm like, she was not tithing, like that was not 10%. So I would say that I didn't figure that out until I came here. Um, I was a new believer walking in the doors as a freshman in college, and I just chose to believe that what Pastor Kirk was saying about the Bible was true. And so my foundations on giving came from him and his teaching that the windows of heaven would be open, that if I built his house, he would build mine, but that wasn't really from my family.
2: Sure. And, and my, I grew up in church um, my whole life and we gave every week. I saw my parents give every single week we had these little pink envelopes that would mail to us and we would give money to the church. And it was great, um, but I don't, I never asked them directly if it was tithe, um, but I, generosity was normal in my life in that yeah. sense.
1: Yeah. So Vicki was talking to us earlier about uh, how things start to get real and, and sure. things change as you grow up. How how have you seen your thought process and mindsets about giving and being generous shift as you've gone from uh, growing up and being a kid to being in school to graduating, being an
2: adult, being married, having a family? Tell us about that. Yeah. You know... Um, just my parents were generous to the house of God, but we grew up with at least with some examples set in our lives on some level. So we had some generosity in our hearts and our minds already. And then, you know, we got to college, both of our lives really changed in Christ in college and, and we grew and grew. We came to this church and we did, we just said yes to this. And so we, I don't know me personally, I came in and I was like, okay, fall with it for a moment. And then I was like, I believe the Bible. I, just, I made that stance. I'm going to believe the Bible. And I went after this and I just it now at this point, we, it's a habit for us. I mean, so it's part of our life. We don't really have fights about this. Um, it's just normal for us. So we became generous and tithers when we were young and single. Um, and we still are to this day. When we have something to come into the table, that's an offering like endeavor. We know we're going to give. If there's an offering, we know we're going to give. Don't even have a debate about it, we're going to give. And the debate comes in, who feels like God is telling them to give more? That's when the debate comes. But here, I trust my wife to listen to Jesus. She trusts me to listen to Jesus. We have some mutual submission on this. Whoever is believing that God wants to give us to give more, we go with the larger number. That's cool.
3: Because I'm that's pretty great. sure the devil wouldn't be like, give the church a lot of money. So I go with the big number.
1: <laughs> True. I, th- I think it's so cool that you guys uh, purposefully dialogue about that as a family. I think that's very cool. So I've known you guys for a long time, as I said, and I- I've actually personally seen God work through your lives and through your family in so many situations. But maybe share with us uh, a story of God's faithfulness in the area of finances. Sure.
3: I mean, I would say the, the biggest one was Nora's adoption, because we, we felt called to adopt. Right. Um, I had a good friend who said, if God calls you, he will pay for it, which was good, because we couldn't. Um, <laughs> so we wanted to go through an agency, and when you go through an agency, it's like the big box. It's um, a lot of money. And so when we applied, when you do apply, they look at your finances. You have to be completely transparent with them. And so they're looking at our finances, and they're saying, um, you, you can't pay this bill. And we're like, we know. Um, but I looked at them, and I said with all confidence, I said, if you accept us into the program, the money will come. Right, right. When you've been tithing and when you've been giving an offering for this long period of time, it's, it is like exercise. You've been bulking up. You've been building this faith muscle. You've been, you know, fighting the lions and the bears of your life. So when this big Goliath shows up, you're like, Psh, we can do this. And so right. it seemed kind of cocky, like I looked a little bit arrogant um, to the lady at the agency, but they took us. And so we started this process of, of grant writing and fundraising. Yep. And as the money started to come in, we started to realize we were going to raise too much money, which was crazy. Um, And so we had to contact our fundraising agency and say, hey, we're about to raise too much money. What are we going to do? And they're like, that won't happen. I'm like, it's about to happen. We need a plan. They didn't have a plan. They had to call their board together to come up with this plan for this extra money. We were calling people up on the phone and telling them to stop giving money. But in hindsight, and I didn't share this in first service because I would kind of forgotten, I had been giving intentional amounts of money. Oh, yeah. I, right. I mean, I'm not gonna share the numbers, but they were faith numbers for us who when we were looking at our savings account, we were saying we're not gonna be able to afford this. I was giving money and saying, I need a tenfold on this. I need 100 back, 100 fold back from this God because we need to be able to finance this. Yeah. And in the end, like I said, we mm-hmm. went above and beyond. I mean, it was pouring out into our lap, overflowing to where they had to come up with a plan for all this extra money.
2: Right, so good. If I can just throw in, yeah. I wanna, yeah. Man. It's amazing. You know, it's so encouraging to hear a story like that, I know. But I, you also need to know, generosity, be it, it does feel good. It's fun. It's not easy. I haven't had a moment yet where it's been really easy. So understand we do not have like all this surplus money that we're just like, what are we gonna do with all of our extra cash? No, no. A generous spirit doesn't work like that. It's it's just generous. It gives and it trusts God. And I just wanted to say that though it's hard sometimes, God is good. Though it's tough sometimes, He is faithful and He is gonna finish good work in your lives that He has yeah. started inside of you. Yeah, that's so good.
1: You know, I think what's cool too looking back at that situation with you guys is just to see, and and Pastor talks about this all the time, but that you actually Stepped out. You actually moved so that God could move in a brand new way in your life. You didn't sit still and wait for some kind of blessing, but you actually took a move of faith. It took a lot of faith, which is so great. Uh, last question here. So you have uh, two amazing daughters, and you're thinking about life and and the future. And how are you how are you helping them understand giving and generosity?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, w- I would say to all of us that start young. Mm-hmm. Young people, start young with generosity. And if you don't, start, maybe start your kids young if you haven't yet. And if you haven't done either one of those, start now. Mm-hmm. Just, just go. We, we saw our parents role model something. Good, right? It stuck with us. Right? So we're role modeling for our kids. My, my Nora just, you know. Laughs and says, Daddy, that's about her world. Now. But Margo, like, she understands. Like, she, she just sees it. We're not having special classes at our house on generosity. She's just seeing us do it. She's watching us count her little coins for her tithe, and she has seeing us do generous things. We're very open with her about it, and it's not secret. No special meetings. It's just normal. I would think Margot would not go, Are my parents generous or stingy? I would think she would say, This is normal. You know, and I yeah. and I would just say that's what's working for her right now. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. And for a five-year-old, she has a very thoughtful, generous spirit, which is shocking to me. I mean, she comes home, you know, from trick or treating, and she has all this candy. Um, and she's like, "Can I give my sister a lollipop?" And I'm like, "Who gives their Halloween candy to their <laughs> siblings?" Like, and she's trying to give me candy. I'm just like, "What is this?" Because she has this thoughtful generous spirit and it and she watches us do it and she just you know picks up the ball and runs with it
1: yeah that's beautiful hey thank you guys so much for sharing today can we give them Thanks. one more
0: hand hey, amen hey, thank you guys for sharing your story I want to dive into scripture for just a few moments uh, because I, I really think this is a, a concept that is uh, underwriting all that Paul is saying here, uh, and that helps all of us understand what is going on. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's read a few verses. I'm tempted to read more, but uh, we just don't have the time today. But 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap. Sparingly, He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not under any kind of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed." As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to sowers and bread for food will supply, will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Now, here's, here's the idea that I want to take just a couple of minutes to drill down on. The operating system idea is the incredible power of the law of sowing and reaping. Now, I know some people would, would like to get more spiritual than the Bible or more spiritual than God and say, I just give uh, and I don't really expect anything in return. But I just want to remind you that sowing and reaping is God's idea. It's not our idea. It's God's idea. It's, it, it, God could have just said, I command you to give and left it at that. But he actually places in this concept, this idea that it's that if, if you will sow, you will reap. And the way you sow and the manner in which you sow is the way and the manner in which you will, will reap. Genesis 8 says this, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, which is sowing and reaping, right? Cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So, it is an operational law. You can count on the fact that winter is going to come. As a matter of fact, it's what helps me endure winter to know that summer is coming, right? (laughs) You know, and you can understand that as certain as cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, that's how certain the law of seed time and harvest is. Just a few weeks ago, Suzette and I had the opportunity to go uh, to the beach, and um, I was up one morning early, and I took this picture of the sunrise on this beach. You know how I knew what time that sunrise was going to be? Because I have a Weather Channel app on my phone. And I looked on that app, and it told me precisely 7.44, this is before we lost daylight savings time, 7.44, sunrise is going to take place. Precisely to the minute, without fail, the sun started to rise at 7, started to peak above the horizon at 7.44. That's how dependable day and night is. It is not haphazard. It is not just sort of, kind of, maybe. And the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, day and night shall not cease. So here's the hope that's involved in all of this is that you are given an incredible ability to create your future. Your future is not in the hands of anyone else. Your future is not in the hands of our government. It's not in the hands of the economy. Your future is in your hands. And you have this ability by understanding this incredible law of sowing and reaping. You got to understand this. Today is a result of the seeds we sowed yesterday. And if I want tomorrow to be different than today is, or my past has been, then I have the opportunity to sow a different kind of seed to create a different kind of tomorrow. That is is within our power as a human being. You're not a tree, you can change. You're not a dog, you can change. You're a human being who can create a future by what you sow today. Now, let me, let's look at what Jesus taught about this. Matthew 13, 31. Jesus presented a parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven, how God works, how, how heaven works, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. This seed is smaller. Everybody say Smaller. <laughs> than all other seeds but when it's full grown it is larger Everybody I say larger so smaller to larger this seed is smaller it's full grown it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches here's the principle of how the, this works seed is small but you plant it And it grows to something much larger. The principle of the kingdom of God, and this is what we read in 2 Corinthians 9, is God gives seed to sowers. God gives us seed. So what you've got in your hand today might seem small, but it is, in fact, the key to your tomorrow. If you sow it, you create a greater tomorrow. If you keep it, you affect your tomorrow. Tomorrow's abundance always begins in seed form today. And I think I think people don't they misunderstand this. They think God is a magician. You know, that he just sort of sends checks in the mail or he uh, somehow causes the lottery to to be won for us. But I want to say to you that just as I was taught and learned how to honor God with a $142 paycheck and pay tithe on that, that has grown into something that is much larger and much more beyond that. The way you handle the seed of today determines the level of abundance Your tomorrow will hold. So here's the verse that we're kind of drilling down on. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is what I say. He who sows sparing will reap sparing. So in other words, the way we deal with today, if we deal with today sparingly, we create a sparing tomorrow. Can anybody see that? And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. This scarcity mentality, this sparing mentality, this lack mentality that says, I better keep my seed, but it's actually seed that's sown that creates a future. By following me? A bountiful mentality says, I believe this seed will grow. I believe that God is a God of increase. I believe that God is is abundant. And what this scripture is telling us, what Paul is telling the Corinthians, what we're learning is this. What you sow, you reap, but how you sow, you reap. And I believe sparing and bountiful, you know, in the day when I was making this paycheck, the sparing and bountiful for one thing, but today sparing and bountiful is another thing. And the idea behind sparing sowing is what's the least i can do and get by with this and the idea behind bountiful sowing is what's the best i can do what's the most generous i can do galatians 6 7 i'm just going to walk you through a few scriptures just so we can see Uh, this is god's idea and this is these are the laws that govern this whole concept Don't be deceived. In other words, don't kid yourself. (laughs) Jump off the building, the law of gravity is going to work. Stick the key in the electrical socket, you will get shocked. Right? I don't care what your prayer life is like. Don't kid yourself. God isn't mocked. Whatever. Everybody say whatever. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. So, if you sow corn, you get. If you sow tomatoes, you get. Don't go looking for corn when you sow tomatoes. So whatever a man sows, that's what he gets. So if you want love in your life, you got to sow If you want violence in your life, if you want peace in your life, if you want mercy in your life, you got to sow mercy. Don't shout me down. Don't get mad at me. Just listen to me. If you want money in your life... I don't know. I'm not exalting money. I'm just saying, money money gets the message out. <laughs> you know, money helps you buy a car that actually runs. Hello. If you if you want friends, sow friendliness. But if you want indifference, then sow. Indifference. If you want health, so good eating. So some exercise. If you're not too crazy about health, so Big Macs <laughs> and double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> I'm trying to get us to see something. This is not just about our resources, but it is about our resources. So, and I found that there's always this gap between when you sow and when you reap. But I do know that how you sow is how you reap. So there are days that I read my Bible and I go, I got nothing out of that, but I sowed it in to my walk with God. And I do it day after day after day after day. And some days, like the heavens open, and some days I just sewed it in. Like, you know what I mean? I sew my prayer time in. I sew kind words into my wife, (laughs) into the people in my world. I sew hard work. I get something out of it. I sew saving money instead of just spending it all. I'm saying, I have the ability. You have the ability To create a future, I sow reading a book with good ideas instead of watching more election coverage. You don't get a harvest by wishing, you don't get a harvest by hoping, you get a harvest by sowing. Let me, let me just keep this idea going for a minute. Genesis 1, 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. So if I plant tomatoes, tomatoes come up and it has tomato seeds in it. Right? After its kind. It was so the earth brought forth vegetation, uh, plants yielding seed after their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. God saw that it was good. Seed bears fruit after its kind. So here's what, here's what I know. If I sow prayer, that doesn't mean I'm going to get back health. I got to sow something different to get back physical health. Right? I don't sow exercise and get spiritual vitality. I got to sow something toward what I want. I don't sow hours into work and get a good marriage. Come on. But if I sow kindness and attention into my marriage... I'm likely to get a harvest in my marriage. If I sow diligence and excellence into my work, I'm likely to get a promotion. Can I see what I'm saying here? The law of sowing and reaping can literally, if we'll own it, because I think a lot of us look at the sow, law of sowing and reaping as like, yeah, you sowed bad seed and you got a bad harvest. Hey, how about sow some good seed, like on purpose? Here's my last idea. Uh, It's not the last idea in my notes, but it's the last idea in my time. Galatians 6, I mean Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it'll be given to you. And we often get this backwards, and we wait until it's given to us before we give. You go first. Give, and it'll be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, like Greg and Jess experienced. For by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you in return. Your standard. So if your standard was sparing, what gets measured back to you is sparing. And if your standard was bountiful, what's the best I can do, then what comes back to you is bountiful. You get to set the standard for your life and if you want your future to be different it's the powers in your hands you can count the seeds that are in an orange but you can never count all the oranges that are in a seed i've discovered i'm not much for gardening around my house but Suzette loves it and she's planted a couple of tomato plants in our yard, that it amazes me the abundance of tomatoes. Like, we can't even eat them all. They, there's so many, we've got to bring them to the office and find friends, <laughs> the people who might be able to, to eat this thing. Seed always produces an incredible, out of proportion harvest what do you want your future to look back that's what, that's what the apostle paul is saying here if you sow sparingly you reap sparingly every day you got to think about what am i sowing right now this thought that i'm letting swirl around in my head that's a seed these words that are coming out of my mouth that's a seed this action that i'm involved in that's a seed You and I can create an incredible future. Amen. I want to pray with you today. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Father, I'm praying for every person in this room that may have felt like they were destined for something small and ineffective. I am praying that the message of today from your word will enlarge our lives to move into the wide open spaces that you have for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually submitted your heart to Jesus. You've never given your life to him. I would love to pray with you. Let's start that journey together. Maybe you're here today and you used to be close to the Lord, but you know you're not where you used to be. Things are not as they were, as they could be, as you know they should be in your walk with God. Today would be a great day for you to come home. Maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand, but I, I just I want to make sure that every one of us that walks out of this room today is walking out of this room with a sense of confidence. My life is in the hands of an amazing God. If that's you, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Uh, And maybe more important than me praying with you is you to signal to God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back. I want to be sure. If any of that is you, you say, pray for me. I want you to lift your hand right now all over this room. Just say, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Just your moment of decision to say, I don't even know what this means, but I've got to make a move toward God. And the Bible says if, if you'll move towards Him, He'll move towards you. If you'll open your heart to Him, He's coming into your world. Is there anybody else? Thank you for these hands. Thank you right here. Anybody else? Just lift your hand real high. Just be bold for a moment. Just say, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back to Him. I want to be sure I'm right with Him. Is there anybody else because says yes, yes to Jesus? Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Let's all pray this together. This is for those who lifted their hand, but I would like for us all to pray these words together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world. I know I've sinned. i come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start for me, a new beginning as I give my life to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Can we do it?